0: Ahead on the Sound Rider Show, we're talking trip planning tips. We're also going to talk about a new group, the Safe Motorcycle Research Consortium, and no speed limits in California. Do you want to see that here in the Pacific Northwest as well? All that and so much more ahead
1: on the Sound Rider Show. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by
2: Seattle Cycle Center. As more and more shops discontinue sales of apparel and aftermarket gear, Seattle Cycle Center continues to provide a wide selection of everything you need for your next ride. Family owned and operated for more than 30 years, Seattle Cycle Center is your destination for helmets, jackets, pants, boots, gloves, rain gear, and much more. Visit their store on Aurora Avenue soon.
0: This is Chef Jeremy from Pecos Pit Barbecue. Let's open up the smoker and get
3: the show on the road. Now live from the Crow's Nest studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcyclists from across the Pacific Northwest and around
0: the world, this is episode 50 Of the Soundrider Show, the March episode, a monumental episode, and we're just clearing out of the snow, but uh, that means with the snow melting, springtime's right around the corner. Tom Marin, publisher, founder of Soundrider, across the desk from me here. Of course, myself, Derek Roberts, the utility man, self-dubbed editor at large tom what's going on in march man what are you doing hey
4: does this surface pro 6 make my butt look fat
0: i tell you it makes the whole damn thing look fat that is a uh, pretty hefty uh, case you got on there and apparently it didn't crack the screen this time huh? i did
4: i did go ahead and buy the protective case so yeah i didn't break the screen that's good I got a nice tempered glass screen protector on it as well. So if something breaks, it probably won't be the surface. It'll be one of the protective cases.
0: That's right. So, Microsoft, if you're listening and you want to sponsor the Soundwriter Show, give us a shout. Hey, there you go. Here's my big question for you with that surface case. Is it snowproof? Because I tell you what, February was a mess out here in the Pacific Northwest, especially for motorcyclists.
4: You know, I went to L.A. for all that, and uh, when I got back... On Monday afternoon, the last time it snowed, right? Um, I got diverted to Portland where I had a, a piece of pizza from Mod Pizza. Sure. And then later they put us back on the plane and brought us back up to Seattle after they reopened the airport. And for the next four days, I shoveled snow around the property
0: here, yeah, there was a lot of snow, so you were in l a though while it was falling. Is that right?
4: I was in l a on the Friday storm and the Monday storm God, I hear some you know, there was in the three background. storms so. yeah, there was there was a lot going on yeah yeah, but, I, know... uh, I I take it not a lot of people rode, although I have seen pictures on the internet of people with their sidecars,
0: yeah, a few sidecars out there, and also good snow bike territory, huh.
4: Yeah, and, and I'm not seeing anybody uh, putting up too much about snow bikes right now. I thought that was kind of odd. You know, the, now is when you want to have your snow bike demos.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. That definitely would be a good time because we have some actual snow, or we did anyway, in the uh, lower elevations here along the I 5 corridor. But, uh, you know, I'm hearing actually quite a bit out in the shops that. Uh, a few rumblings now. People are actually getting rid of their snowmobiles and going full snow bike. Oh, cool! Yeah, so I think that's kind of an encouraging uh, sign.
4: Snowmobiles right? are huge and dangerous. You know, if you launch one up in the air and it comes down on you, that that could be the end of it. For
0: yeah, you. I'd rather be on a little uh, YZ 450 rather than uh, yeah than a snowmobile myself. But I, I thought, can
4: run faster from those, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was cool though. I thought that was an encouraging sign for the industry as well just uh the fact that it's giving dealers, you know, something else to sell and to keep people interested in their motorcycles year round. I I honestly I never would have forecasted that what 10 years ago when we first started seeing these snow bikes.
4: Well, it takes a while to get the ball rolling, you know. Yeah. But yeah, they started in uh, McCall, Idaho. The Timber sled people.
0: That's right. They're still out there, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We may take a little SoundRider road trip and go see those guys one of these winters.
4: Yeah, we'll ride snow bikes all the way from Seattle to McCall, Idaho. <laughs> That's it. It'll be a road trip tour of winter. I was going to say, we will, uh, we'll take that,
0: um, we'll tape the show somewhere in, what, Tonnescat, somewhere out, out east there when we're about two weeks into that trip.
4: <laughs> Cody, you'll drive the trailer so we can put the snow bikes up on the trailer when we hit the lower elevations. Okay.
0: I like it, man. It sounds like a good idea.
4: Uh, there was a, a winch and plow shortage. You know, I'd heard a little bit about
0: that. That was one of the biggest selling items at dealers, right?
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: Which, I mean, there was a winch and plow shortage. There was a salt shortage. There was a everything shortage.
4: I know. I got 15 gallons of salt down in the uh, down in the utility room here now.
0: So 10 years from now and that next snowstorm hits. You'll <laughs>
4: exactly be- <laughs> what I was thinking when I put that in down you'll there. You'll be
0: ready to go, huh? <laughs> Well, I tell you, maybe if we do that snow bike trip across the uh, Cascades out to Idaho, maybe we should uh, or maybe we shouldn't reference some of these articles that are floating around on the Internet in the wintertime here about trip planning, huh?
4: Well, they, they make an interesting read, and I wouldn't have time to read them in the summer. So right. uh, we bumped into a couple on a, on a national magazine, and uh, and some of the information was useful, and some of it wasn't. So useful. So I just kind of highlighted up the two articles, and I thought we'd kind of breeze through them.
0: Yeah, I say we should talk on some of that stuff. And a lot of the stuff is is pretty basic, kind of motorcycling 101, it seemed like. But there are a few nuggets maybe we can kinda extract. Kind of like
4: out. how to how to plan a trip 101. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talking about uh, first thing you need to do is pick a destination. Yeah. I think that's, that's a uh, do. that's a good place to start.
0: Yeah. What else is on there? What else caught your eye, though?
4: Uh, they're talking about mapping out a route because hours on flat, straight interstate can be mind-numbing. Try to plan your motorcycle trip connecting smaller highways and back roads to get to the finish line because there's likely to be less traffic, more curves, and better scenery on the way. Now all that is true that is true. That is all true and it sure is a lot more fun. Um when we do our little ride out to Pendleton. Right. Um we'll there may be some interesting roads you hadn't been on.
0: before. Yeah, for the old rattlesnake 400 there, huh? Mm-hmm. And plus that's uh, April, that'll be a uh, well have to kind of monitor the weather for that.
4: Yeah, we got to watch the weather up in the mountains there. But then they said, okay, so after they tell you to map out your ride, they say check local ride forums or groups for insight into what to expect. I've seen some of the worst information (laughs) in forums out there and people who it's all hearsay or I did that three years ago or whatever. Rarely are you going to find a guy that says, I just wrote it yesterday and there's gravel in the
0: corners. 100% agree with that. Yeah. If you're going to take your information from forums, you better check and double check on that.
4: You better, you better take your time and not do that. Instead, go to the government websites like uh, Oregon has trip check. There's plenty of uh, different. In fact, uh, for the Pacific Northwest, we have a resource page on SoundRider that's all the traffic information and road conditions for Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Right. And that includes links to the Forest Service sites by forest. So you can use that as a fairly good barometer of what's going on out there, rather than you know has anybody been down Lolo Pass? And, you know,
0: right? It can get pretty it can get pretty hairy out there. But you're right; it is good to do a little bit of planning. And SoundRider, of course, is a great resource for that, especially during forest fire season. If you're going to head out into the wilderness, you want to know where those are burning. Yep,
4: yeah. and that's another reason why you want to be going to some place you know with direct information. Um, we use we often post up the uh, GIS sites, right? So people can see what's actually going on, <clears throat> and I think uh, we'll probably just make that a regular link over on that road conditions page. Uh, okay, next thing uh, they 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 actually explain to you how to figure out your miles per gallon. <laughs> so I think we're talking to new riders. Or something. I would think I mean, so. Uh, yeah. New drivers. I think we're talking to people that just turned sixteen. Or yeah, something. definitely. Um, if you can't figure that out, we don't want you trying to take a trip by yourself.
0: Uh, Yes. Please bring a friend and make sure that they have plenty of gas for you.
4: And the reason they talk about that is so that you can plan out your gas stops, which is not an always, it's not always an easy thing to do. I personally prefer to ride on the fly and not calculate my gas stops out two weeks before I take that trip. But my general rule of thumb based on my bike's MPG is that if I fill up in the morning, I want to be good until lunch. And then I fill up at lunch.
0: Yeah. I, I'm with you. You know, doing designated fuel stops, I don't think that ever really works for me, in part because, you know, sometimes you get out there, you're riding for ninety minutes, and you know what, you gotta pee. Or you want a bottle of water. Yeah. And if I'm gonna make a stop at a gas station and I have an opportunity to get, you know, more than a half a tank or whatever and I'm already making the stop. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm not going to go, well, I got to stop here, get all my gear off, get back on, ride the other half a tank, then fill up. You know, if I'm going to do everything in one shot, I'm going to do it.
4: Yep. Yeah. Um and you know, it's it's if you're riding with someone else, they might have a 300-mile range and you have 150. Yeah. So they're going to be waiting around for you to get gas. Even though they thought it was great because they had 300 miles per gallon, they're still going to have to stop every time you need to stop. But what then happens sometimes is maybe that guy's got a 200-mile range and I got a 150 – and he's not ready to gas up, so he's just gonna wait. Right. Well, there may not be a gas station within fifty miles. I'd go ahead and fill it up right then.
0: Yeah, especially if you're out on these uh, Forest Service Roads and you never know, man, you can get turned around here or there, and next thing you know, you you burn right through that yeah. twenty uh twenty uh twenty mile reserve you think you have.
4: That is true. Yep. Uh talking about how to pack for a trip. Now of course this requires an entire book. <laughs> Do not you have a, a little there? one or two paragraphs. Uh, but they, they do make a point. If you're camping along the way, there's more elements to consider than if you're booked at hotels every night. Didn't actually say here, you know, make sure you bring layers. But
0: Right, didn't actually provide some actual advice. It was more of a general suggestion there.
4: And the next paragraph, they tell you that a small tire repair kit can be a lifesaver. Yeah, you know what they didn't say? What's that? A pump can be a lifesaver after you fix the tire, too. So carry a pump. So
0: what you're saying is most of the time if you get a flat in the field, it's not going to happen where you get the flat and the air remains in your tire.
4: No, and I, I usually get my flats right at the gas station, so I don't need to carry a pump. That's a good strategy. Yeah, that's how I do it. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Um just looking at these short paragraphs i just want to remind everybody listening we do have a packing list if you need it uh it's uh you can cl- click to it from our store newsletter anytime you get our store newsletter if you right. don't get the store newsletter uh just email us off the site and i will send you a, a copy of that list and that list has about 100 items on it that you should carry all the time
0: yeah, and that is something you know maybe we should just uh, retweet that out or something too people can know where that's at to uh, to come and get signed up because that's that's worth its weight in gold right here. That's more than most of these articles. Exactly. Yeah.
4: Exactly. And there is a book that goes along with that list if you want to buy it. That's right. But nonetheless, uh, just having the list will wake you up to a lot of things you hadn't thought about if you're one of these new riders. That's it, yeah. So uh, Then they talk about distributing the weight evenly over the bike so it's nice and stable And to put the heavy stuff in the bottom and the lighter stuff in the top, well, that's that's kind of good information. But you know what I realized one day? What's that? If you put a second passenger on your motorcycle, the motorcycle's top heavy. If you're fine with riding around with a second passenger on the motorcycle, don't get into the minutiae about the weight distribution thing. Because we're talking about the difference of 120, 150 pounds versus...
0: Forty, Right. And to kind of piggyback on the previous point, too, I would say, you know, sometimes you get into these these forums and these chat rooms and you see, guys, they have so much stuff. Uh huh. And and everybody always says they wish they would have brought less. So to kind of tie things together, we're talking about the packing list and packing light and packing right. If you are packing enough stuff to where you feel like you need to be overly diligent about distributing the weight. Cut it in half. You're bringing too much stuff.
4: You're bringing too much stuff. Yeah. Um, my, uh, you know, we talked about that list with 100 things on it. When I pack for a trip, the total weight is never over 40 pounds. Right. So it's kind of like I'm going backpacking, and then we add on the pump and the tire repair kit and a couple other things. But, um yeah, if if you're carrying more than 40 pounds, you need to reassess your list. You need to upgrade your gear, yeah. Or you need to get a list. Yeah, that'd be a start, too. Uh, If you're carrying 20 pounds, you need to get a list. That's right. Uh, What else? Oh, uh, tell someone about your trip. Okay, well, that's always a good idea. Let somebody know you're going on a motorcycle trip. It's nice to be able to text into a loved one once a day or call them on the phone or whatever. Let them know what's up. Uh, But uh, this tip, give them a map of the route. Yeah, you know what? I, w- I never do that because I change my I change up all the time or there's a forest fire and I got to go around. Yeah,
0: and- that's the thing. That's the tricky part, I guess, with, you know, you want to let someone know probably the general area. So if they're going to do a search, they can kind of keep an eye out for you. But to get down into the specifics there, it's just it changes too much. That's the whole purpose of motorcycling.
4: Yeah, the alternative might be if if you really want someone to know where you are all the time, get a spot. There you go, and yeah. give them the link and teach them how to open up the website and look at the at the link and um, and they'll know where you are. And if they see that you've been walking around in circles for three or four hours, they're probably going to wonder what's up with you. Yeah, but uh, or just ca-
0: just carry a Google phone. They know where I'm at all the time.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so will everybody else too. That's how I
0: get I get served the appropriate uh, ads while I'm out there on my wilderness adventure. They say, wouldn't a three-star hotel just 42 miles from you sound pretty good tonight? And I go,
4: <laughs> maybe it would. Uh, here's a tip. Consider taking a friend. Well, okay, there's probably two ways to do that. Uh, the way most people do it when I see it happen is they're always riding right behind each other. Right. I hate that. I hate, I do I too. hate having people in my rearview mirror. Yeah. Um. When when you and I go to Pendleton, I don't want to see you. Yeah. In my rearview.
0: I'll see you for dinner and for breakfast. That'll be <laughs> just about right. Yeah. But um. Well, I'd say too. The only thing worse than being the guy, uh, seeing the guy in the rearview mirror is being the guy in the rearview mirror, eating the dust and uh, having to kind of follow the lines of the person in front of you. That's no. That's that's just as
4: bad. Oh, I'm always courteous. I never lay a trail of dust, even when I'm in the dirt. Yeah, I bet. I, I, I buy specific tire compounds so the guy behind me doesn't get any dust. That's right. And then those mud
0: flaps you have on the old NCs, that's a, uh, yeah. that's a nice touch too. Yeah,
4: and I took a turbo one time and I converted it into a dust buster. Right. <laughs> it just sucks <laughs> it right in. Uh, so then another another tip is the reason I want to bring a friend is so that they can help capture all those important Instagram photos you'll need to make the people back home jealous. Well, you know what? That's narcissism, okay? Well, it's modern motorcycling. And frankly, when I go on a motorcycle trip, the last thing I want to be worrying about is what I'm going to send out on Instagram. And Uh, I'm not going to try to make people jealous. And another thing is when you start getting on social media and telling everybody you're out riding on your motorcycle, if any thieves are following you, they know that your house is probably empty. Well,
0: I think that might be a little level up on paranoia there for me. I don't know how many people are casing my joint, but I, I can see the perspective. But at the same time, man, look, that's just that's modern motorcycling, right? Like a lot of people are are in it to share the journey, and uh, that's, that's kind of an individual perspective there. I mean, I'm not really a, a big-picture guy as I go, but I can see why people like it.
4: I like to focus on the ride and not worry about everybody on social media when I'm out doing a trip. But what about the likes? Yeah, I need more <laughs> likes. And I need the comments, but only post nice comments. Only nice comments, please. Uh, here's a tip. Be open to change. Well, that's a good one because things do change, and that's what makes it such an adventure sometimes.
0: Well, that's it. You know, I would kind of piggyback on that, and I would say a point that I don't think is mentioned in either, either of these articles is uh, when you're doing the trip planning, try not to get overly ambitious. Right, because if you start planning out these routes that look great on paper where you're gonna do five, six. You're gonna miles break day, your heart. Well, that's it, you know, and you just end up getting frustrated and if you especially if you're planning out fuel stops and camping spots, like I think a a good thing to do is kind of plan an A route, a nice short route, and then look for spurs to do off of that. So if you can get you to a campsite in the afternoon, you still have time, you're still feeling refreshed, go to around and explore the area a little bit, but don't wear yourself out thinking, Oh man, I gotta ride from Seattle to Minneapolis this weekend and back because there's a lot to see along the way.
4: Yep. Um, and, and speaking of planning out your route, uh, one of the tips here is to get the Reaver app or Butler Maps. All right. Okay. Now, I don't know. I haven't used the Reaver app. Have you? I
0: have experimented with it a little bit. Yeah. Does it
4: tell us if a road is a dirt road or a paved road? Because you, this is the problem with Google Maps. Right.
0: Is that it can leave some of that information out. Yes. Um, well, although some, it does highlight some of it, though, on Google Maps, though, as well, right? I mean, it the indication can kind of go either way.
4: I haven't looked at Google Maps in a while, but it um, seems to me the last time I did look at it, which was maybe a year ago, there was no delineation as to what was a dirt road and what wasn't.
0: So I think there is delineation on there now, but I'm just not sure if it's fully accurate, right? So if you're a cruiser guy or on a sport bike, you probably would want to know a little bit more about that than, say, yeah. an adventure guy. But, yeah, it's, it's a point well noted, yeah.
4: And so he talks about uh, using Butler Maps. Well, here's here's the tip, folks. Butler Maps gets all their cartography from the fine people at Benchmark Maps.
3: Well,
0: Tom, where could I get a Benchmark Map? You could map? buy
4: Benchmark Atlases <laughs> from the Soundwriter store. The point isn't just to sell you an Atlas right here right now. It's to tell you that the best Atlas is going to be a Benchmark Atlas right? because it's, it's more more detailed than what you're going to get in a Butler map. Butler maps just a little folding map. They don't have big access. That's right, yeah. Uh, with the benchmarks, they do delineate what's a paved road, what's a dirt road. They tell you where all the campsites are. That's a they, big one, yeah. It's 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 the one to have. So,
0: but I'll tell you what. On my uh, particularly my Washington benchmark, because I have them for all the Northwest states here. But I usually wherever I'm going, I usually rip the page out and I tuck it right under my uh, backpack under my rock straps, Mm -hmm. and then when I stop and I get off for fuel or whatever it is, I pull that thing right out and I just look at it, see where I'm at, and double-check that to my...
4: So you could do like our our Sasquatch pre-rider Bob Owen does. Right. When he gets ready to pre-ride a Sasquatch, you give him two atlases of the same state. One for him to tear up and throw in his panniers, and the other one to keep at home. That's it. So... That, that that's that's a way around that. Twenty five bucks a shot, but yeah, you know but if, still,
0: you know. I mean you're
4: out on dirt roads, you probably don't want to be packing a couple of atlases.
0: That's the thing. And if you figure um, you know, twenty five bucks into the cost of your trip, it's not that much.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh here was a tip that um came in real handy for me a while ago. Uh that was uh carry a portable battery charger. Right. So there I was in the middle of the forest in Oregon with a dead battery, and so we jump-started it because I had that portable battery charger. Just like that, yeah. And the portable battery chargers that are out now, not actually – well, they're not really like – I guess there's portable battery charges and there's, there's batteries that will jumpstart your bike. Right. That's what I would carry is the battery that's going to jumpstart my bike because most of them have a USB connector on them so you can charge your cell phone too.
0: Yeah, your cell phone or your spot as it may be or whatever else you got there, even computers now in a lot of, a lot of cases.
4: Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then the last tip that I want to make mention of here, he talks about face shield care. Although it doesn't really go into any details about the best care for your face shield. But um, if your face shield is occluded, clouded up, get rid of it. And for guys who ride 10,000 or more miles a year, they may be trashing a face shield every year. So put it in your budget to buy a new face shield annually if you're getting scratches and that sort of thing. And Stuff really messes with your vision later.
0: That's true. And, you know, if your face shield's starting to wear, it's probably also just a good time to do a thorough inspection of your helmet too because even yeah. a well-taken-care-of-helmet is probably only going to get, offer peak protection for four or five years. Mm-hmm. So if you are putting those kind of miles on and you think, oh, I take care of my helmet, well, you know what? You probably do, but you've probably also dropped it at the gas station a time or two, kicked it around at the campsite a little bit, so really make sure that you're getting the the
4: most protection from it. All right. End of part one of the show. Um, We're going to take a little break. We're going to put some microphone screens on here. Sorry about the popping peas. And we will be right back after this.
1: Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by Skagit Power Sports. Check out the North Sound's largest selection of bikes from names like Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, and Suzuki. Located just off I-5 in Burlington, Skagit Sports also features a large selection of riding gear, apparel, and an experienced staff to help you along the way. Visit Skagit Sports today. Hi, I'm Dan.
3: One of my favorite rides is Chuckanut to Bellingham at 6 a.m. or just when the sun's coming up and there's no traffic on the road. Hello,
4: this is Bill Woods with Sodium Distortion Racing. You're here listening to the Soundwriter Show. <music>
0: sound rider show we're rolling right along into news bites and i tell you what there's been a few interesting developments coming through considering it's the winter time as well starting off with uh this new inter manufacturing group which i thought was uh a nice
4: development i'm happy to see this what do you what's your take on this tom i'm gonna be interested to see how that all works out yeah this is kind of like the motorcycle industry council A little bit. So this is the Safe... So this is the Safe Motorcycle Research Consortium, Yes,
0: yeah, that's right. And this is uh, six manufacturers, if I remember correctly, including Harley, Indian, Kawasaki, Yamaha, Honda, and BMW are all sort of banding together. And they've got a couple of, I guess, items that they're trying to improve upon, right? Including integrating motorcycles into the modern transportation system, looking at human factors and rider performance and uh, a few other things as well as i mean general safety but i was you know honestly i'm pretty excited i hope that this can gain some steam because i think that there are a lot of issues that a big industry group like this should start to look at and start to tackle
4: um you know i'm thinking about david huff when we talk about this okay and i know that uh david always has a is always skeptical when the industry is trying to do something that makes them look better sure. or or who who knows what. Yeah. So let's see what really happens. Um I'm going to do wait and see on that. But I think it's fine. Let's let's let them go to work and see where we wind up at. Well, my question would be who
0: else is going to take the mantle on these issues, right? And who else should be at the forefront? I for me and I've said this for years on the show, I think that the manufacturers they need to take more initiative not just in doing research into things like safety and promoting motorcycles as modern modes of transportation but also just doing the work for laying out marketing campaigns for dealers and that kind of thing too i think this has to start at the manufacturing level
4: so you don't think they've been considered a modern mode of transportation before this
0: i don't think that the manufacturers have done enough to promote that as a as a as a daily means of transportation i mean we always hear things like oh you know use it as a commuter and this kind of stuff but then i know are they advocating out there to get free parking in cities are they advocating out there to do things like you know wherever you come down on it but lane splitting and that sort of thing i don't know if i see enough um, from the manufacturers for my taste because i think that they are the only ones that have the resources to drive that conversation
4: could be. Yeah. We don't have a real strong uh, independent safety group like back in the days when we had Harry Hurt do the Hurt Report. Okay, so know? that's – that's we, Now that kind of stuff is like you can't even get that data because it's all covered under privacy stuff.
0: Right, so I think that's the probably the number one thing that I would like to see out of this group is if we can get a modern take on the Hurt Report because what is the Hurt Report, 1987?
4: Um, uh, might have been even earlier than that. And
0: but. it's still referenced in motorcycle publications because it's, in some sense, the only – I mean, you certainly can't call it modern anymore, but it's, in some sense, the only thorough motorcycle safety report that we have out there. And we really need to find and get better data on that, especially with modern technology because I just – there's so many questions from the Hurt Report that you wonder if they apply today. Right, You know.
4: right. So and, and and it is a report like that that you know I would say that that report probably advanced helmet technology sure. for motorcyclists and motorcycle helmets are built very differently than auto racing helmets are built for for car drivers
0: yep. now. That's right.
4: Uh and and part of that comes from the data in the hurt report.
0: Yeah. So. And amongst things you know helmets too but also we see referenced a lot that something like You know, forty-five to fifty percent of motorcycles involve alcohol. Is that still is that still accurate? Uh, We don't know motorcycle accidents. I need that, right? I'd love to know that. So, yeah,
4: and I I do believe there's a way to strip away enough of the personal data on an accident where that information can be provided to people who are doing research. Definitely. And I don't need to know who the guy, what his name is. I don't need to know what his race was. I don't need to know where he lives. I I would like to know his age. I would like to know how long he had a – uh, endorsement in his possession prior right. to and a lot of times a lot of times when they do collect this data it's only on fatals. It's not just it's not on injuries. Right,
0: which is a huge question mark. Yeah, yeah. because
4: there's obviously a lot more injury related motorcycle crashes than fatalities. Exactly. And and that's the data we need to be looking at as well. So um well you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the list here. I'm gonna go to number four because uh kind of opposite of what we just were talking about the folks in st paul minnesota have decided to pull their police motorcycle operators and put them in patrol cars and end the motorcycle program within the police department because of the number of distracted driver issues
0: so i only saw the headline on this and this isn't something that Surprises me, but what else did they? Uh, how big was the force in Saint Paul? How many bikes? Because sometimes cities will have like twelve motorcycle cops, you know, and then other cities will have hundred. I'm I'm interested to know, you know, how big of a move this actually was for them.
4: Uh well, it's a twin city, so it's probably twice as big as as any other uh single city right <laughs> 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 uh it doesn't it doesn't call it out in the article
0: okay i so I'm interested to know that i, I mean, but they did all, call out a
4: lot of stats on the number of distracted driving, not just fatals but also injuries sure yeah or near like misses. five hundred in the last couple of years
0: right crazy it is it is crazy i i mean it really makes you wonder and also i guess. Well, for for a lot of these units, though, too, I mean, I can see it wouldn't take a whole lot of movement and sort of the safety needle, just considering if you're riding a BMW touring motorcycle, that versus a, what, a a Chevy, I don't know what they drive now, uh, police cruisers, but the costs are pretty comparable, too, right? It depends on the city. Yeah.
4: so. You know, they use the Ford Explorers here in in in, Was- or in right. Seattle, but then they use different ones down in Kent or whatever. Um, yeah, and you know, if, if hey, believe me, I, I, I know distracted driving's an issue. I walk about 700 miles a year yeah. doing just my hour-a-day aerobics, and I see everybody's on their phone oh. still, and we've got a $1,000 fine for that now, and they're still on their phone. You know, instead of setting up, these uh, You can set up the DUI checkpoints if you want, but instead of setting up the speed traps, why don't we just put a couple officers out on the corner of a major intersection and just start writing them up, you know, and, and I'd, I don't know, it, 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 I, I think you should have a license suspension not a not a thousand dollar fine
0: yeah it's tricky i mean i certainly can sympathize with the efforts there to reduce distract driving particularly as a motorcyclist i mean you see it all over the place but man i don't know phones are just such a modern part of the infrastructure now it's, i don't want
4: the love of my sport to go away because some bonehead's got to drive around with a phone up. no
0: and i agree with you i just you know i Opening up the door for another way to, to write tickets, to write more expensive tickets, is, is always kind of a slippery slope. Well, that's why right I'm now.
4: saying take the, take the fine away and just suspend their license. They didn't find them, right?
0: Yeah, well, that's true. But, I mean, there's, there's an economic impact there. Oh sure, right? Yeah, you can't drive to work sure. anymore, so
4: clean it up though. Yeah, I mean, no, what I mean, are you going to do? You've got to do something different because whatever is, yeah. they're doing now isn't working.
0: Yeah, I understand where you're coming from on that. Uh, on that, certainly, I just try uh, it
4: my way for a year, and then if that doesn't work, I'll come up with another idea.
0: Well, <laughs> so, Safe Motorcycle Research Consortium, if you're listening, uh, we're, available <laughs> yeah. for, uh, we're available
4: for we're available consultants. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Just let us know. No, but I mean, I I totally agree. You know, and I, I, there's nothing that I hate more, particularly as a motorcyclist, than seeing somebody swerving in and out of their lane, and then you drive up next to them and you see that they're looking down at their phone. I I mean, hate there's, there's nothing more frustrating than that. I just I I don't know what the answer is to to legitimately prevent that.
4: I don't know. Maybe they should install a, a particular device into all vehicles. Like, you know, now we're not going to have to go have our cars smog tested
3: anymore. Right.
4: Or maybe we just uh, go ahead and require that all vehicles must have a sensor installed that automatically turns the phone off when you step into it. How do you like that one? Ah,
0: that's, a, that's a pretty big reach there. That's just—it's tough. You for sound
4: me. like a guy who probably rides around in a car and uses his phone. Is no, you
0: doing? know I don't actually. I'm very, I'm very <laughs> diligent about I don't that. I want to take but...
4: all your little things you like to do away <laughs> from you.
0: No, you know? I'm super diligent about that. I just always get a little, uh, a little hesitant when we start talking about you know ex- extending the reach on these sorts of things because there's so. I mean, then what? I mean, if well, a guy's if... eating a burger, going going down the street. Is he distracted? I mean,
4: there's a difference between nannying something like like telling you you have to wear a seatbelt that's a nanny thing okay okay? sure that's not gonna necessarily kill anybody else but you but when we're talking about using we're we're talking about distracted driving that affects more than just you well no i mean i and i you know i don't want to take anybody's freedoms away but i don't want to be the guy on the other end getting whacked especially on a motorcycle you know the car's gonna win
0: well, yes, definitely a car is going to win, but the, I don't think the problem – There's I don't have any problem with the idea behind it, but that's the same way I feel about a lot of these things. It's like, yeah, I understand where we're trying to go. I just wonder about the efficacy of the enforcement and if that opens up another Pandora's box there. So I think maybe education um, and reaching out to people and having them – you know sort of understand the risks a little bit more i think that you might see you mean
4: like all those ads we saw on tv and all those billboards we already saw
0: well the the, the effectiveness of those campaigns you know i mean there's <clears throat> there's varying degrees of that there but uh, i mean i understand where you're coming from i just man i don't know i don't know uh, if that's the right way you to do lost it.
4: this one i don't <laughs> it's but see but where
0: do you draw the line with that right now we're drifting from motorcycles to politics and we don't want to get into that too much there but where do you draw the
4: line with that because there's a thousand things you could say right all right, you know what? We're, we're jumping around on a list. I'm going to jump to the next thing because it has to do with what you're talking about. All right. So Kimco, the scooter manufacturer, has a new scooter out that has something called the NoDo Dashboard, and app. The NoDo Dashboard works together with your iPhone or your Android phone. And it, you can use it as a navigation device. So it will tell you how many blocks away you are from the next turn you're supposed to make. Okay. It will also tell you if a text message comes in or if an email comes in. That makes sense. You know yeah. All that stuff going on when you're riding your scooter?
0: Uh well, the navigation possibly.
4: That one I would I would right. let run, but yeah. but I wouldn't want that other stuff running while I'm riding.
0: Yeah, I mean I I wouldn't be as particular interested in that information, but
4: uh but that could cause distracted driving. Well,
0: the, the distracted motorcyclist at that point, right? Yeah. But, well, the, I don't, but he could these. hit a
4: pedestrian. I mean – He th- could crash into a four-year-old.
0: For sure. So do you want to outlaw these two?
4: I don't think it's a good idea.
0: Well, it might not be a good idea. I mean, a lot of people would say that about motorcycling in general, right?
4: <laughs> and don't worry about all the rest yeah. of stuff. We're just talking <laughs> about these topics today. Ah, uh, okay. So um, I don't know. I
0: think, though, a lot of manufacturers have these in their uh, – in their systems though now as they become more digitized right and you're connecting by a bluetooth I mean, well you have yeah that. i mean
4: there's all kinds of different stuff coming up that kawasaki ninja that has where you can like tune it from your phone app right you can tune the fuel injection and all that i don't i don't know if that works when you're moving or not though
0: yeah well so. i mean i have bluetooth helmets where you I mean you get notifications for all that kind of stuff anyway verbal yeah. notifications so it's it's a part of modern life i guess
4: all right on to a happy subject well, it's not so happy. You know that beautiful gold versus 1000 LTGT or LE. That is it we gold saw? or is it orange? Eh, yeah, I think they're calling it gold.
0: Oh, okay, but, I got you.
4: And gold or orange. It was a beautiful color, right? right. Not available. Canada the only. States. Uh-oh. Canadian only. So all you Canadians that are buying that Versus 1000, I want to see you down at the rally this summer (laughs) because then I know you came from Canada without even asking. (laughs)
0: That's it. You don't even have to introduce yourself. You can uh, remove that Canadian flag off your helmet and just take the golden Versus.
4: (laughs) And Speaking of the Versus 1000, uh, the pictures of the Nike and GT are coming out, and it looked like a nice motorcycle um in march they're actually going to have demo rides down in florida in jacksonville
0: so they keep on hammering the nikon so what's the deal are they trying to make this a viable motorcycle or are they going to relegate this to collector status at some point here what well, do you it's think
4: collector status right now you haven't seen one have you
0: no i haven't but they keep <laughs> on producing and uh i keep seeing things in the media i don't uh, i don't know what's going on with that
4: yeah i don't know but they, you know, obviously they they they're, they're going to stick with it for another year. I, it's just something that I thought was going to be like the Honda Rune, where it was going to be around for two years and then be gone. Right. We'll see. Uh, you know, they did. Uh, uh, our listeners will remind me of the correct model. There was an FJ twelve hundred GT that had a single fork on the front wheel. All right. Yeah, it was around for one, maybe two years. Okay. So it's a collector's item. I think the Nikon's going to be a... Did, I don't think most people need to get a Nikon. Did
0: it have that much media exposure, though? I guess that's the thing that kind of has thrown yeah, me off guard well a Back bit in this.
4: those days, yeah, I got all the write-ups and the cycle worlds okay. and the motorcyclists and all that. All so. right. Uh, I'll stick to two see. wheels myself. But. See, now I got us all out of sequence, so you don't know where I'm going next. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, if you ride a Ducati... Uh, There is the 2019 lineup is launching on March 22nd, and the reason I point that out is if you ride a Ducati or you're interested in Ducatis, there's probably going to be a lot of fanfare from the different dealers going on, and when I talk about fanfare, I'm talking you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about free food. Baby. Right. <laughs> so come on down today and see the new bikes and we're gonna have the truck out front. That's right, da, yeah. Da, da. So and I know a lot of our, our listeners liked the free food. Well,
0: yeah, free food, free beverages. And uh I I was actually at a uh a Ducati event they had down here in downtown Seattle a couple of weeks ago and they were kind of showing off some of the lineup. Ah, okay. Yeah, so they had a national event there, and you're right, they did have free food. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Uh, we added a couple of new items to the Soundwriter store. They are, uh, replacement kits for things in your first aid kit.
0: That's always a good thing to have, right? Yeah. Cause people don't realize that. <clears throat> well, they, I think they do realize, but medication expires, even basic things like aspirin and, uh, you know, anything you might have like Benadryl. And mm-hmm. you have these kits that you put together uh, while George Bush the first was president. Yeah, and you've been lugging that thing around for the last twenty five some odd years, and you got
4: expired stuff in there. That's right. Well, even the ointments expire.
0: Yeah, and so you're thinking about, hey, can I buy? Do I buy an entire new kit? Do I shell out thirty bucks, or do I just get these individual replacements because everything else yep. in there is good? So we
4: have a replacement of all the the aspirins and the Benadryls and the. Tylenols and right. all that. And then we also have another one that replaces um, uh, different topical ointments and that sort of thing. All right, so. yeah.
0: Never leave home without your topical ointment.
4: Topical ointment's better than tropical ointment, isn't it?
0: <laughs> I think so. I think these news bites are topical ointments, aren't they?
4: <laughs> uh, Harley-Davidson is going to have a 50% off Rider Training Discount. Um, but it only goes through March 3rd, so I hope you heard the show early this month. I hope you're listening month. early, yeah. But uh, 50% off, and the current retail price to take the Rider's Edge program in Washington is $350. bucks. right. So that way, then you can take it for 175 That's pretty good, yeah. yeah.
0: You know, that's one thing that Harley does pretty well, uh, getting people set up with their basic training course. You know, through the dealers right there. Oh, sure. You know, they've got a lot of that. Yeah, you know,
4: part of the curriculum is you get to walk through the store and go through the apparel department.
0: At least twice. I think you have to double back, (laughs) right? Yeah.
4: It's true, though. Yeah. Um, But what I thought was sad is that I just got the announcement on this, and – it's only, like, good for two weeks. Right. And it's winter up here. I mean, we're still shoveling snow around. Nobody's thinking about taking a Writer's Edge class.
0: Well, that's true. But who knows? Maybe uh, by the time, you know, a few more days pass, maybe you'll be able to slide in under the radar there and save Now, you money. don't
4: have to take the class by the third. You just have to sign up for it. But you could take it any any time between now and the end of the year. Oh, okay. So, so you got all maybe season. Maybe you're thinking maybe you want to get a gift for somebody. You're going to save... Save, you know, buy them rider training for 175 bucks. What a gift.
0: That's right. Yeah. So if they gave you a $350 gift at Christmas, you go back and you give this to them. It's $350 value. Yeah. And they'll never know. It all works out. Exactly.
4: Yeah. Good idea. Uh, Tell us about this crazy California congressman that wants to create an Audubon down in California.
0: So here we are back to politics, right? So apparently, actually, this is uh, state senator John M.W moriach m-o-o-r-i-c-h anyway he wants to expand two highways in his district and he wants to add lanes but the catch is that on that additional lane he wants no speed limit and yeah. he says that uh it'll make not only the highway safer but he also has a rather disputed claim here that it'll also be good for greenhouse gases so um that's out there. What do you think about this for, say, Washington, Oregon, or Idaho? How would you like an unrestricted lane up here on the freeway?
4: I think it should be unrestricted and restricted to Blackbirds, Panagales, <laughs> and uh, Ninja.
0: That's right. So if your motorcycle has 1,000 <laughs> cc or more, right, yeah, you can yeah. take it out there. Yeah.
4: <laughs> As a motorcycle only lane 1,000 cc or higher, no speed limit. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I thought it was interesting, anyway. But what do you think if something were to happen like this in the United States? What kind of impact do you think that would have on motorcyclists? I mean, it, certainly when the when the ticker tape got cut on that, the guys would be lined up right to get out oh there God. on their ninjas. Or
4: yeah, it'd be like getting on the ferry, all the motorcycles first,
0: right? right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you imagine just the wave coming down like I five here. I don't know. I thought uh, I thought it was kind of interesting, though. I'd like to see it myself. I say, hey, let's open it up. Give us a fast lane out here in Washington in particular – but, uh, yeah, we'll see if it happens down in California.
4: Can I use my cell phone while I'm doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you. Well, only if you have the Kimco dashboard. Yeah. So you have to get that
0: modified in there. Yeah. So, right? I, could,
4: I, could, I could tune my fuel injection while I'm going 120 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. That's well, the only way you
0: know. You have to know the top end, right? you got to bring it out there.
4: <laughs> but, you know,
0: it is actually – he references in sort of this interview I read, which I think is in uh, Road & Track um, with this guy, you know, he references how – in his district they have more car dealerships than any other district in I think he's in Orange County than in California and that a lot of those are luxury car dealers, Lamborghinis, Maseratis, and he quite blatantly says in here that hey, you know, the only way to really use these fine pieces of engineering is to either go to a track, which there aren't many in my district, or to break the law and it shouldn't have to be that way.
4: Hmm. I mean I agree with him. Seems so to work okay with the Autobahn in Germany. Yeah, and uh, I guess you know I don't know. I know if you want to drive the car on the Autobahn in Germany, you have to have a special endorsement. And I guess if you want to ride a motorcycle there, you have to have a special endorsement as well. But I don't know that for sure.
0: Yeah, I wonder because uh, well, the European system in general. I don't know specifically for Germany, but is tiered anyhow, right? So I wonder if you progress into the higher oh, yeah. CC category, if that automatically
4: oh it becomes part of your training for that, yeah. Hmm. Interesting.
0: Lots of questions here.
4: All right. Hey, I want to thank our uh, unsung stringers. They don't even know there are stringers, but Kate and Sabrina, thanks for uh, helping us out getting these news bites together this month. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, we will have the calendar.
1: Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by
4: Valentine Motor Works, Seattle's
2: independent service shop specializing in BMW, motorcycles, and beyond. Call or visit them to discuss your next service or restoration project soon. Find them online at valentinemotorworks.com.
3: Hi, I'm Mark from Seattle. I ride an R12GS, and I like to ride around Mount St. Helens. Hey, everybody. This is Lee from Racer Gloves USA, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Be
2: sure to join us Saturday, March 30th, for a special Sound Rider Day at Skagit Power Sports. We've got two informative presentations and lunch courtesy of our friends at Law Tigers. Admission is free and limited to the first 40 writers. For more information and RSVP, go to soundwriter.com.
0: Rolling on into the calendar segment here on the Soundwriter Show. And as soon as March hits, that's kind of when the proverbial wheels start to turn on the whole event season. Don't you think, Tom?
4: No, no, no! I think we've been having events all year. Well, we do, but
0: this is when the people start really considering. Hey, I'm going to get my bike out of the garage. A lot of people store them for the winter, and they start thinking about riding. Their
4: first person event. Yeah, yeah. Instead of third party events like going to ice racing or the one moto show. That's
0: right. You move from uh, spectator to rider, and there uh, you go. I think that that is. uh, I think that's evident here because getting off start, uh, getting off hot right here in the beginning, uh, March first. There is a whole lineup of things that uh, you can choose from here in the Pacific Northwest.
4: Yeah, it's apparent I need to get the show up early and tell the world on the social media that the show's up early because there's a few things that are happening right now, like the Harley-Davidson we talked about. Right. That, that, that thing. And then uh, on March 1st at the Western Oregon BMW or BMW of Western Oregon, I guess they call it. All right. Um, they will have Helge Peterson The world traveler, Helge Peterson, in doing two events. In the afternoon, he's going to do a packing for the long ride. All right. That's free.
0: That's, I mean, that's worth the trip right there. The guy's
4: out stealing my shtick, though, you know. (laughs)
0: Man,
4: it really got me when I saw that. Well, it'd be good maybe a little
0: compare and contrast there. And wasn't, uh, wasn't Helge up here in Seattle, was it last month?
4: Uh Did yes he was. Yeah. he was well he was at uh, end of January I okay that's was.
0: right yeah South awesome Sound uh, it BMW fair, right fair, yeah
4: yeah and then uh, and then that evening Friday night March first uh, he will be doing a, a slideshow presentation called Making Tracks Around the World and that is ten bucks a pop which is a pretty decent price to pay for a slideshow from Helgate who has been all over the world. Has yeah. pictures from everywhere. I mean,
0: I think that's worth the admission. You talk about 90 minutes. The guy's got some good stories in there, right? I mean, I yeah. assume it's 90 minutes or so. I mean, He's I'd...
4: pretty good with his media, too. Every yeah. once in a while, he'll, he'll flash an image up there, and you'll see it, and he'll punch. You can watch his hand. He'll push the button, and all of a sudden, it's actually it's not a photograph. It's a video. It's
0: a video. That's good, man. He should be out there. He's got a lot of great stories to tell. So get down to Western Oregon.
4: Uh, let's see. Also on Friday the 1st. Uh, The Café to Café Grand Tour kicks off. Kicks off. Is this true? Is this the 10th annual?
0: It is. 10 years in a row, man. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Time for a book. I think it's the 11th. I don't know. All right. 10
4: or 11. I can't count anymore. I'm old, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe we'll get into that a little bit more in the next segment, huh?
4: But uh, I always talk about putting out a book, and I haven't done it yet. Yeah. Might get there.
0: Was it Live to Ride, Ride to Eat? Is that right? Ride to Eat,
4: Eat to Ride. There we go. Um, then on, uh, March 15th through the 17th is the Inland Northwest Motorcycle Show out in Spokane, Washington. And, uh, it looks like you and I are not making a trip this year.
0: Yeah. So uh, <laughs> last year uh, you were out there, right? You went out and checked it out. I did. Yeah. And I know that, uh, this year our schedules are a little bit different, but good for, uh, good for the East side of the state kind of the kickoff of the season there too assuming they have their snow cleared i think it's a little bit different than we are on the uh, western side of the state but i uh,
4: have done that show when it was pretty snowy out there yeah i bet so (laughs) i've driven home in the snow from that show
0: yeah coming across the passes and everything but hey you know march 15th to the 17th if you're looking for something to do that weekend go down there and check it out
4: no i i was driving home in the snow in the flatlands it was snowing
0: Oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Like out there by Moses Lake and stuff.
0: Sure, yeah. Coming across i like, ninety like there, three
4: hundred feet below sea level out there. I don't know.
0: It seems like it. Yeah, <laughs> <In> the summertime. <laughs> it certainly feels like Death Valley out there.
4: Uh, okay, and then on uh, Saturday the sixteenth, if you don't want to go all the way out to Spokane, uh, you could do the Dirty Poker Run, which happens out in the Vantage area on uh, on Saturday the sixteenth. I've done that before. It's quite fun. Yeah. Um, I believe they change the route around every year a little bit, but it's all on private property. You're not going to have any traffic. This is uh, only if you have a dirt bike or a uh, side-by-side.
0: Oh, really? mm mm-hmm. Okay. So when you say dirt bike, you mean like dual sport bikes too, or does it have to be straight
4: I would dirt? think I would want a little more travel in my suspension okay. than what you get on a dual sport bike. Or but- be
0: very experienced maybe, mm-hmm. right? I got you. All right.
4: The time I went, there was a guy, he was so thrilled, he just picked up his brand-new KTM, and oh he got on it, and he started riding, and about a mile later, he was pulled off to the side, and the bike had burned up. Ugh. Because the dealer he got it from didn't put any oil in
0: it. Oh, geez. Not what good. a heartbreaker. Yeah, so if you're going to come <clears throat> to that with a brand-new bike, check the oil first.
4: <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Uh, Sunday, March 31st, a bait of Oregon will be having their swap meet in Milwaukee, Oregon. That's just south of Portland. And uh, you can click the link on our calendar to get more details on that. Um, And then uh, moving into April, Saturday and Sunday, April 6th and 7th, is the annual Desert 100, also known as Washington State's Dust Bowl. Right,
0: coming up fast, man. You know, I think I'm going to try to go to that this year and check it out. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been down
4: there? I know. I, I, I've, I've heard all about the dust, so I don't go.
0: I got you. Well, hey, that's nothing a uh, balaclava can't fix, right? You put that over Or your a face. new air filter, you know, yeah. That too, yeah, sure. But, yeah, bring uh, your
4: extra air filter when you go.
0: But this is a pretty big deal. They get a good turnout down there, so I want to go. It's huge. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out
4: it's kind of like I don't know which one's bigger the oyster run or or the uh, uh desert 100 but I gotcha. uh, those would be the probably the two largest motorcycle events that happen in Washington state
0: right and then for their specific genre of motorcycling the biggest for that is there, the right? biggest so, yeah. in
4: in, ter- in terms of dirt bike and they have a, a dual sport whole dual sport segment that they added on several years ago and they nice. grow that a little bit every year so
0: <clears throat> they're looking forward to checking it out anyway
4: uh, but if you're a road guy, on the 7th of April, you could head to Portland and do the Rose City, Oregon 250. 250, that's a nice way to break in for the for the riding season. I agree. April 7th, right?
0: Yeah. Although, Later
4: they do a 500 version of
0: it. Yeah, well, that's going to be right around the time where we might try to tackle the old Rattlesnake 500, huh? Yeah, and that uh, first part of April, we, we got
4: to start getting our two fifties in now. Whew,
0: man, I tell you, I start practicing.
4: Yeah, <laughs> as soon as the ice thaws. Yeah, uh, we got road racing starting up in April the nineteenth and twentieth at Pacific Raceways is going to be the beginning of the Wimmera season. Washington Motorcycle Road Racing Association coming up fast, man. And then uh, if you're not into road racing, but you're into riding in the rain, and hey, who isn't?
0: Especially in the Pacific Northwest.
4: Yeah. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, or actually Friday. It's just, it's just Saturday, Sunday, Monday. The Rain Run put on by the Washington State BMW Riders Club. Uh, and that's an annual event they do. They leave out of the Puget Sound, and then they go down into Oregon and spend a night out on the coast. Nice. So uh, sometimes it rains and sometimes it doesn't. You just never know. Right, yeah. Pack well, your extra layer. Uh, and
0: pack your rain gear, too, <laughs> yeah, right? Pack yeah. your
4: rain gear and your heated gear and your, your hot hands and your little hotties. And- yeah. I tell you what, though, for
0: uh, March and April, man, you could – those are some good events to fill out the weekends there. You could go every weekend and have something to do.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's more events on our calendar. So uh, you can check that calendar out at soundrider.com backslash calendar. And if you are one who puts on events, make sure you put your events on our calendar so we can talk about them on the show and let other people know.
0: We'd love to promote uh, events and get uh, fellow motorcyclists out there to check it out. So.
4: All right, now we have an interesting development in the road trip tour for 2019, and we're going to tell you all about it when we come back.
2: Support for Soundwriter and The Soundwriter Show is made possible by.
1: The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, the Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com slash rally.
4: I'm Roy Barnes. I ride a BMW F650GS uh, 2009 with 137,000 miles
1: on it. My favorite ride is wherever the road goes.
4: Hi, my name is Russ. I'm with Trailtail, and welcome to the Sound Rider Show.
0: Welcome back to the Soundwriter Show. I'm here, of course, with Tom Marin, publisher, founder, event planner extraordinaire. Of course, I'm Derek Roberts, the utility man, self described editor at large. And uh, we thought for this week's.
4: I was formerly a spectator, now I'm a writer. <laughs> That's right.
0: A good transition to make. <laughs> Well, we thought for uh, this week, uh, or this month, rather, for this show, we would talk a little bit about some of the Soundrider events coming up. And also, I wanted to get your take, Tom, on kind of what goes into planning some of those events and some of the, you know, sort of circumstances that can arise that can change how these events take place so let's start with uh the road trip up in vancouver canada because i know there's some new developments there
4: so the road trip 2019 of vancouver island has been tabled
0: oh man what's going on in so vancouver? what's
4: going on is uh we started working on uh conf- filing up the uh list of accommodations and as we started going through the various options that you could use for booking it became apparent that there was no more than one or two hotel rooms available at any single hotel in the cities that we were going to, which would have meant we would have scattered the group across five or plus hotels. right? And uh, not a good deal. I mean, when we do these road trip tours as a tour group, we like to spend an evening together telling our stories and lies. And that's not easy to do if everybody's scattered across town.
0: Well, that's true. and you know, I guess one of the great things about – riding up on vancouver island is sort of the the lack of people but going hand in hand with that is the lack of hotel rooms huh
4: that's the problem yeah and uh so what we will do is we will publish the tour book and uh, just like any of our other tour books you can pick that up online once we put it up there right and it will come with the gps routes so that uh you'll know the cool roads and not Ride the main line. Yeah, because the research
0: has been done, and you had a a great time, kind of touring around up there and taking in some of the sites. And you also learned a few things that first time trip planners to the area mm-hmm. would want to know about, right? Because like we talked about a little bit earlier, you go on these trips and you know you get super ambitious, and then you get to a place like Vancouver Island, and you realize that the topography and the demographics might make it a different experience than you had anticipated.
4: Yeah, and I think I. I know how my mind works, and I can't say everybody else's mind works like this. But we, you know, if 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 you've ever looked at Vancouver Island on a map, you know that there's a mainline road that travels the entire east side. We call it the backbone. Right. And then there's little tentacles that go out to the west coast to places like Tofino and Port Renfro and uh, um, I can't remember them all. Port right. Alice. Um, a lot of little
0: small towns out on the coast there because they're they're highly seasonal, towns, right? Yeah. yeah.
4: And so, in my original reconnaissance mission, um, I went out and spent the night out on uh, Tentacle Points. In most cases, sure. And what I realized was that these are actually not places you want to spend a night at. Um, they don't really have a lot of great restaurants out there. Tofino does, but Tofino gets really expensive.
0: It can, yeah.
4: So the way that I routed the 2019 tour is that you would stay in um, down near Victoria, but not in Victoria on the first two nights and then the last three nights you would stay up in Port Campbell and you would do loop rides in and out to the various places. So uh, I, I was really looking forward to doing this. But, yeah, uh, it
0: might be something that uh, you end up just doing on your own anyway, right? Find and that's, that's
4: why I'm going to do the book so people can, can do it on their own. Because you know what? If you're doing it with one other person or, or even two or four people, you're probably going to not have a problem getting hotel rooms. Right. Um, but you know, when you're doing it with a group, it doesn't, it doesn't work out. So.
0: Yeah, and plus, if you're if you have a little advanced planning there, and you're going to do that with the guidebook and everything, you can also intersperse some camping and that kind of stuff. So you can kind of right. offset the absence right. there. And
4: there are lots of places up there to camp. So so and that'll be included in the guidebook.
0: So let's talk then a little bit about uh, a tour that is still on schedule to happen, the Sasquatch tour, right? Mm-hmm. And what I want to know is, for a lot of people, I think myself included, I'll I'll, I'll jump on this. You know, I've seen. You see motorcycle tours and that kind of thing, and you go, man, that looks like a fun place to ride, but I don't know if if I want to be part of a motorcycle tour. So as somebody who organizes these types of things, what would you say are some of the benefits? Well, some of
4: the benefits are some people don't – you know how some people don't like to use computers? Yes. You've met those people. Yeah. Uh, There are people who don't like to plan out a trip on their own. Right. They'd rather just have someone hand it to them, and they could go along and do the trip. And, uh, and they, and they, they like the social experiences that happen with groups. And so for them, these kind of tours are really good. Um, the reason that we call them a GPS tour is so that you don't have to ride with other people all day. You can ride your own ride. Um, and I know specifically in Idaho, There was an afternoon that I rode along the the Lolo Pass. Sure, Uh, I passed a couple people. A couple people passed me, but for the most part, I was not looking at people in my rearview mirror the whole time. I was just doing my thing, and they were doing theirs, and we all got to the destination that night and had a nice, you know, nice social time together. So uh, uh, I guess you know, if you're asking like, who are these tours for? They're for people who uh, are are capable of. (laughs) <laughs> who enjoy the social aspect right. of the evening and the breakfast and stuff like that. And then for people who just want to be shown these places that, you know, a lot of people can't just open up an atlas and point and go, I'm going to go there. You
0: know? No, that's true. You know, I think that there's a lot uh, a lot of benefits with going sort of with a group or with somebody who has organized an area to ride in with, that they're familiar with the ride, mm-hmm. right, and the terrain because then they can point you to sort of the best roads and some of the best
4: And as often as we can, we have a pre-rider go in ahead of time. Sometimes, lately, that's kind of been a problem with all the fires.
0: Well, the fires and now the snow, too, right? That's going to uh, make things a little tricky for the next uh, six or eight weeks around here because up in the mountains, it's still going to be pretty well packed in.
4: Well, Idaho has a way of thawing out usually by June. So, Usually. Yeah. Usually. Right. And if not, we'll just put the we'll just convert your dr three fifty to a snow bike and we'll send you over. Let's
0: do it. Project bike. We'll get it all set up. <laughs> and so the uh the Sasquatch dual sport tour then of course is gonna be in Northern Idaho. What are the dates on that again? You remember that off the top of your mm. head? Mm-hmm. That's July, Sometime
4: right? in July, but I don't have the date in front of me.
0: So you can check out uh, store.soundrider.com and you can get the information on I well, get right off the homepage. Right? Yep, right off the homepage, yeah. too. It's I mean, point. I'm
4: so lazy, you know, and I'm running a recording device over here, I'm not going to look at the homepage. Right
0: right. Now, so. <laughs> Got a computer right in front of you. <laughs> uh, so what I want to ask you, too, is because you've done so many of these now. I mean, we talked about Cafe to Cafes and it's the 10th or 11th year of the Rally in the Gorge. What are we, 17 or 18 this year?
4: Yeah, 17. Right? Yeah,
0: so a lot of Sweet things. 17. What I want to know though, specifically for like the road trip and like the Sasquatch tour is, where do you get what's what's the moment like when you get that sort of nugget of inspiration where you're like, "Oh, like I need to get other people involved and to see this?" Because I mean, that's happened to you 20, 30 times over the years now, right? It
4: happens to me when I'm at the bicycle shop looking at a map.
0: <laughs> okay, fair I go enough. to the
4: bicycle shop and get the local map.
0: That's where you do you do it all at the bicycle <laughs> shop and go. Man, I'm not going to pedal this. It would be really fun to do it on my motorcycle, huh?
4: Uh, you know, a lot of times on a place that I haven't been, I'm I'm looking at the uh, contour of the road. I'm looking at what's around, and I start piecing these things together, and and then you have that magic moment when you're out there doing that pre ride. And you realize, oh my God, that was the coolest thing ever. Right. Sometimes you also might say, Hey, that was like fifteen miles of a straight dirt road. That wasn't very fun. That was pretty
0: boring, yeah. But
4: you gotta you gotta take those straight sections to get to the next twisty one. Right. And and that's that's how it goes. And then like um Oregon last summer, magic moment was when we came around a corner. It was actually on a paved section of road. Uh, came around a corner, and there was that most amazing strata of rock, and you just had to pull the bike over and take pictures. Yeah. It was beautiful, and and that's the kind of stuff that nobody – they don't tell you about it. It's not like a, a special sightseeing area or it's not n- noted as a um, state park or anything like that. It's just there right? you get around a corner.
0: Well, and that's why we're so blessed here in the Northwest because there's so much of that, and you talk mm-hmm. about going on some of these routes and the cumulative effect. Of, oh, look at that, look at that, look at that. And then you kind of go back in your memory files at the end of the day, and you realize not only was that a lot of fun to ride on, it was a lot of fun to look at, yeah which is is pretty cool. And also, too, I would add, I know over the years, especially in the Cascades with the drastic weather changes throughout the year, a lot of times roads will close for two or three years.
4: Uh, That does happen. Right?
0: And then all of a sudden it's open, and that connects uh, an entirely different route, and you have a whole new perspective on – Uh, sort of the area and a new place to ride, too.
4: There's a road down uh, on the north side of Mount Hood, and uh, several years ago, the, the bridge washed out. You could ride the entire length of the road from one end up to where the bridge was washed out, but you had to turn around and go back out. Right. And then uh, last last year it was open, but when we went in to do the pre ride, it was closed because they were doing the culverts over again. Oh yeah. Uh, but they we, we 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 pulled the bikes over. We talked to the road crew. They said we're going to be done next week. Said perfect because we're going to be back here in a month, so it'll be open. And so we you know it it pays for us to stop and talk to these people and find out what's really going on. Yeah. We don't know if they're working on a four year project or or they're going to be done next week.
0: Well, and that's another I think advantage of some of these, uh, you know, tours going along on these is that you know, we only have such a limited vacation time most mm-hmm. of us, right, as motorcycle riders. And you get into the sort of you can get into a rut where you're going to these areas that are heavily ridden, that are heavily populated. And yeah, they've got beautiful, you know, scenery and they're good rides and that kind of thing, but to get out of that sort of guarantee into something else, a different experience can be tricky if you've only got two weeks of vacation and you have to spend a week of that with a family or whatever it may be. And if you've got a team out there doing the research for you, man, that can really open up some new terrain to you as well.
4: Yeah, and, and I personally don't like to go to the same rally over and over again. I don't want to ride to the same place over and over again. Right. So um, I always want to explore something new, and I've been able to do that for 10 years through these trips. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we learn something from a route, and and uh, it may just sit on the shelf for a few more years, and then I'll say, hey, you know what? We're going to do that again, and we're going to reverse it. And then we're going to take out that really nasty area, and we're going to replace it with this. And, and because we're going the opposite direction, the overnight cities are going to be different. And so it becomes a totally different event. Also, you know, anytime you ride a road in one direction, it's completely different in the opposite direction. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So just taking that that five-day trip and flipping it upside down, uh, it becomes a new event.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think there's – that's kind of one of those, I think, underrated tricks in motorcycling is just ride in the opposite direction. Yeah. You know, because you can really get a lot out of it.
4: And and my you know part of the challenge for me with the rally in the gorge is um, we have a few people who come every single year, sure, and yeah. I want to keep those guys happy. Yep. And the way that I can do that is by I'm always finding new roads down there. We know they've got a thousand miles of paved roads in there that we use for the rally. We know they've got seven hundred miles of off road riding that we can use for the event, and it's pretty. You know, I mean yeah, after ten years you're probably gonna go back and forth on a road once or twice. Yeah, sure. But uh, you know, we don't do the same poker run every year. It's not the same route. It's always changed up and then, you know, after a while we'll flip it upside down again and, and, and so that's how you that's how you take something like this and make it go for seventeen years, but keep it different every year. And you just you
0: talk about the Northern Cascades in Oregon and then the uh Southern Cascades uh, portion of Washington there, man. There's not much better riding. Uh it's pretty spectacular. Out
4: yeah. There. yeah. And the views. The views are stunning. That's even – I never honestly, get tired of looking at Mount Hood or yeah, Mount
0: Adams. Even or... if you're only going to – if you're not going to do any of the uh, recommended rides, if you're just going to hang out at the fairground all day and camp, it's still pretty spectacular down there. Hmm. Uh, so a couple more questions for you before we wrap up here on the segment. I'd like to know your thoughts. Someone who's, who's he- sort of uh, heralded these tours so many times over the years. Just what would, if you were going to tell somebody, hey, you need to go, you know, you're going to do this tour. Here's what, here's the mindset you need to have to get the most out of it. What would be sort of a, a prep talk that you might give to some people?
4: Uh, know how to use a GPS. All right. On your motorcycle. <clears throat> um, because I get people who say, I'm to sign up. And uh, I don't know how to use a GPS, but I'll just follow somebody. Gotcha. Well, maybe they don't want you following them. Maybe <laughs> right. you don't want to follow them cuz maybe they're too slow for you. So, you know, if you know how to use a GPS, you're in way better shape cuz you can you, now you have the freedom to do what you want to do. That's it, yeah. Uh and, and and in more recent years, now we've got people using their their iPhones and their Android phones. I would only recommend a Windows phone, but uh that's just me, you know.
0: Discontinued. <laughs>
4: Uh, so so that would be one of the things. Um, again, you know the the social aspect. It's going to be there. You don't have to come to dinner at night if you don't want with the rest sure. of the group. Um, but but uh, I like that part of it too. You right. Know? And and then the after hours part, and then uh, we've had some interesting breakfast as well. So you never know. You yeah, know? But, lots uh, of good stuff. But uh, you know, yeah, yeah, be, 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 you know, you might be better off being part of the group or not. It's up to you, you know. Yeah, well, that's I think
0: one of the great things about the tours you put together and the rally is it's kind of it's sort of self-paced. Mm-hmm. You participate where you want to participate, and uh, you know, come as you are, right?
4: And that's that's one of the things I want people to understand. You know, people don't come to rally because they think they're going to be stuck behind somebody all right. day, and it's like, no, 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 we don't do it like that. Yeah, that's not how we do it. So, uh, maybe in
0: the burger feed line on Thursday night, if
4: you want to pair up with somebody and ride behind them all day, that's okay too. But, um, and you know, but, but you don't have to, when you run the fun run, you just go at your own pace. So
0: that's what makes it fun. Yeah. So let's wrap up on this. Then we pull out all the stakes and you've got no restrictions and you know, you're going to have good attendance. What's the dream tour for you?
4: The dream tour for me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does it have to be here? No, it could be anywhere, it could be anywhere, yeah. you know. Because, honest to god, the reason one of the reasons I wanted to put these tours together, I don't have the kind of money to go to Europe, right? I don't have the kind of money to do Slovenia or Australia, sure. Or, uh, and I am quite content riding around the Pacific Northwest,
0: yeah. Well, it's stunning, obviously, as we've discussed many times on the show yeah. here, yeah.
4: I love all my favorite little side roads around here, um. I guess the dream tour is that I get to retire and I just go leave and not come back until I'm ready to come back. Yeah. <laughs> That's Where, dream tour.
0: What would you do though? Would you go uh to would you go north to south? Would you take Alaska to the uh, to Ushuaia or would you go you know, maybe in a different direction and do the European tour like you kind of touched on there?
4: You know, what I would probably do is um, grab my atlas for Colorado. Right. And Clank in the uh, the twelve highest roads that you can go on on a road bike, not a dual sport, but a road bike. Right. And I would create my route, and that would probably be that's kind of the next thing I'd like to do. Uh, I'd love to go ride around down in the Southwest a little bit. Sure, uh, I've done that before. It's very nice, uh, but Colorado is something that I haven't spent any time riding. So if I could have a couple weeks to do that, I would. I would love that. And
0: hit all the fourteeners, right? Under twelve, fourteen thousand foot something peaks like there, that. something yeah. like that. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Well, good stuff, man. I think that's. Uh, I think that's some nice insight into uh, into the tours, and of course, Sasquatch coming up in July. We got the rally in August, and Cafe to Cafe gonna be kicking off this month in March. So you have got lots of
4: opportunities. Lots going on. All right. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, I got a tip, and you got a trick, or something like that.
1: Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by...
2: Rockstraps. Tired of bungee cords that fray and break? You need to up your game with the number one tie-down among riders. Rockstraps make it easy to get the right fit, no matter how large or small the load you're securing. Order a pair today from the Soundwriter Store at store.soundrider.com.
3: Hi, my name's Steve, I live in Edmonds, and one of my favorite places to ride on my GS adventure is up the Pyramid Pass. Hi, this is Dave Sweezy from Psycho Wipes, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show.
0: In the crow's desk studio here at the Soundwriter Show. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, a crow or a turkey, whatever it may be. We've got tips and tricks for you before we wind up today. And, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of thinking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right into my slash my trick. Is that all right, Tom? Oh, yeah, I'm going to sure. go right into it. I've been doing a lot of thinking and, and a lot of research. And we talked a lot about trip planning on this episode. And one thing related to that that has been top of mind for me is food. And so what I have been looking at online recently are vacuum sealers because I'm interested in putting together some adventure touring specific for myself, uh, sort of MREs that I can have a few prepared and ready to go and uh, I'm going to get them ready and that way when these weekends hit and it's good weather, I can just load in a couple of these and have good food and head out to the campsite and not have to worry about any really meal prep or anything like that, just having them all set and ready to go.
4: Now, would these all be frozen products?
0: No, they wouldn't be frozen. I'd use everything that's shelf-stable, but I'd want them all sort of compartmentalized per meal and compact enough to where I could have these sitting on the shelf for a couple of months at a time, and I can just pull them out as needed. But, you know, there's a lot of good food out there that doesn't require a lot of prep. You just have to just have to have them sort of organized and ready to go so that's
4: like my cookies
0: the cookies here would be a good mm. start right you vacuum seal those you could probably get a few weeks of uh, shelf life i think out of them but you know things like meats and cheeses and uh just everything all in one so you can just cut it open at the end of the day and, but when
4: you talk about meats you're talking talking about cured meats yeah
0: shelf stable stuff Dried right.
4: meats like salamis and pepperoni. that's right and yeah. stuff like that that's yeah. right yeah, yeah.
0: So that's just something to consider, you know, because I think uh, for me, I know in the past I have I have found myself in situations where you think, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to eat this trail mix at the uh, at the campsite. And you're sitting around and your body's like, dude, this trail mix isn't cutting it. <laughs> and so then you're back on the bike and you're riding out of the wilderness, you know, 45 minutes to go to a McDonald's. And then your body's like, dude, this McDonald's isn't cutting
4: that's it. That's not cutting
0: All right, Right. No. So you start doing round and round like that. But I think if you do a little preparation in advance – I think it can go a long way. So that's my tip. Think about uh, making yourself some, you know, uh, MREs for your adventure touring. This well, summer. I
4: have a vacuum sealer here if you want to try it out.
0: There we go. Let's get that's it going. Fine. Yeah. Hmm.
4: Interesting. You know what? That would be a really nice article if you do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay.
4: Here's the challenge. You got to come up with 10 things I can put in vacuum seals and pack so I can just blow out of town anytime I want.
0: All right. I hope people are ready for some high fat stuff because I eat a lot of fatty foods.
4: Well, for me, it's going to have to be all be organic, though.
0: Organic? It'll just be organic beef tallow. That will be number one on the list.
4: Yeah. Um, and, and lots of honey roasted peanuts. Oh, there you go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So what do you got this month while we wind up here?
4: Well, it is spring and I might've talked about this on a, on a show in the past, but it never hurts to bring it up. We talked a little bit about earlier about the, uh, replacing the, uh, aspirins and the, um, the ointments and that sort of thing. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but it's also important to remind people that, uh, things like, uh, Tire repair glue, yeah. goop, especially if you've used it, uh, are probably going bad right. from last year. So check through your whole kit, not just the medications, but it's time to reload on uh, stuff like sunscreen. Sure. That expires. All the things that you carry that, uh, that could expire. Uh, it's a good idea to go through that right now while you're you know, in between shoveling snow. And then uh, figure out what you need to to restock. Some stuff we sell. Other stuff you're going to have to buy it online. We don't sell it. Uh, Always appreciate it when people buy stuff from us because it's what keeps us in business here. But uh, definitely uh, get all your gear out, lay it out, figure out what you need to do a replacement on. Don't just think about it. Or you could go through the uh, packing list that you have or that we have and, and just note it from there. And uh, get yourself ready to ride because it's time.
0: Yeah, you know, I like that. I think uh, two things that stand out is, one, sunscreen, because you're right, that does lose its effectiveness uh, over the years. So if you've got one little bottle that you've been lugging around for three or four years, you might want to check the date on that and make sure that's effective.
4: Might be good to start using it, too. Might be good to start using (laughs) it, too.
0: And then also uh, anything that is adhesive-related. Yeah. Because I've had even, like – you know, I always like to carry a little bit of duct tape and that kind of stuff. And you pull it out after a couple of summers in the panier, and you look, and it's kind of losing not only its stickiness, or it's all melded together a little bit. And the same thing goes for any tube of adhesive that you might have. Yeah, stuck. I found and,
4: with duct tape too. If it's not Scott or uh, Scotch or 3M, it's probably funky after right. a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of bad duct tape out there. Some
0: quality duct tape. You definitely mm-hmm. need that in your uh, in your touring kit. So, yep. Yeah, so that's good. I
4: like that, man. That's a good tip. All right. Well, that's our show for March. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back in April with even more fun stuff. And Derek has one more thing to tell us. I
0: do. One more thing to add, and I was going to just reiterate from the beginning. This is episode number 50. And so I would like to thank everybody for listening, and I'd also like to remind people that if you like the show, don't be afraid to give us a five-star review on iTunes and also leave a comment because we want people to know more about motorcycling in the pacific northwest and we want to encourage people to get out and ride so thank you for being a listener i'm sure you've listened to all 50 episodes at least twice and uh we're very happy to be doing this show this is uh this is kind of a milestone i think i know for me anyway i who would have thought maybe five years ago almost that we'd be here on episode 50 episode
4: 50 all right I could have pulled that off in like fifty days on a day-to-day podcast, you know.
0: Well, we don't want to overload the people. No, we don't want to do that. We're like uh, we're motorcycle nutrient dense. That's right. Right. It,
4: it, it may be fifty shows spread over once a month, but there is a lot more information in those fifty shows than if we did them over fifty days.
0: We're the soylent of
4: motorcycle shows. Ooh, that's right. <laughs> scary now. All right, folks. We will see you back here in April. Be
2: sure to join us Saturday, March 30th, for a special Soundwriter Day at Skagit Power Sports. We've got two informative presentations and lunch courtesy of our friends at Law Tigers. Admission is free and limited to the first 40 writers. For more information and RSVP, go to Soundwriter.com.
3: The Soundwriter Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on The Sound Rider Show.